really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to The Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that brings you news, results, analysis, lovely interviews, and much more. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for listening. And if you can be bothered, why not get in touch? I can always be found on Twitter at, at of Scrum. I'm on Insta with The Scrum of the Earth podcast, and I'm always at thescrumoftheearth at gmail.com. So ours is a weekly podcast, and my pledge, as always, is to bring you 52 weeks out of the year, and so far, so good with that goal. In any event, this is not a weekly installment. This is yet another bonus episode. And this time, I have, I went and had a lovely little catch-up with Phil, the mastermind behind the Jack's Rangers podcast. And we agreed to talk about Halloween, a day here in the U.S. that we both hold close to our hearts. So if you somehow haven't caught the Jack's Rangers podcast, I have linked it in my show notes. And of course, it's it'll take you like two seconds to find it if you're searching for it. So the leaves here are afire with autumnal color. The air has taken on a bit of a chill. And it gets darker and darker, earlier and earlier each day. Here in New England, those signs point towards Halloween. And uh, October 31st is a sacred day for many of us in many different ways. So I thought it would be cool to cover this spooky stuff with an eye towards rugby. And so who better to do that with than New England transplant, Phil. Let's get to it. Okay, Phil, buddy, you have been absolutely killing it with the interviews lately it's like you've discovered the el dorado of rugby players and all this despite the fact that you said you were taking time off so what's going on how are you feeling about the pod what's going on with all this yeah man like i think that ultimately i was short-sighted about saying that i was going to take time off from the podcast it's just i i keep getting reeled in right what is the line from um Oh, they, they keep pulling me back in, pulling me back in. Right. So when the, the signings come out, I mean, it's not some sort of magical thing that I do. I just reach out to the players immediately and tell them what's going on and, and what we do. And some of them respond, some of them don't. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. But uh, the ones that do come on the show, we, you know, we want to have some uh, some good questions for them and, and see what they're all about, where they're from what got them to sign for the free jacks, that sort of thing. So we're just trying to make sure that people are uh, well-fed in terms of content, food, uh, if you want to put it that way. And also mm. here, I know that uh, people are starving for content with, for MLR and stuff like that. So we're here to help with the free jacks content for sure. Well, they, my most, uh, my favorite recent quote from one of your interviews was, was the, do you know what Frisbee golf is? Uh, was, I, I know people who are seriously into Frisbee golf. So that, that one just cracked me up a little bit. Well, what's wild is uh, the uh, outrider and co-host of the show, Dave, who's on all the interviews with me. And during mm. the season, he's also my co-host when we break all the matches down and stuff like that for the Free Jacks. He was like, oh, my, my brothers are amateur Frisbee golf champions or something like that. I was like, what? <laughs> well, first of course, I didn't know that was a thing, but they, they show all these crazy sports on ESPN now that are like, yeah, there's a tag championship now. So, I mean, if you can think of a wild sport, I mean, they have a championship for it that people are playing. It's crazy. For sure. And we live in the United States. So I think on ESPN cornhole is listed before rugby. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I always <laughs> used to say that, like if you would watch a show that, I mean, a sport that was like fringe, you'd be like, how is rugby not on instead of this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. How, how much motocross can I consume? Right. 
<laughs> so uh, t- continuing to talk about your pod, uh, so any big surprises? You, you've had a sort of a slew of these interviews. Uh, anyone really throw a, a curveball your way? Anything you weren't expecting? Any you know, good or bad surprises? Not that I can think of. I do. I'm holding on to a little kernel here of information that I have um, based on deductive reasoning, I guess. I guess is the best way to put it. I know a player that's not returning. I'm not going to spoil it yet. I'm going to wait for him to announce his new club. And then he's got a statement for us that we're going to be able to put out and let the fans know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, a little send off for him. So I'm excited about that. Um, We've got some graphics that we're working on right now that I'm going to be putting out soon, but not really any curveballs. I might have to check in with you about that uh, unannounced announcements because if it's who I think it is, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty bummed about it. So I'd be curious to check in. Yeah, there's been a couple of guys that are not coming back that I've been bummed out, specifically Kenny um, Hatakiyama. So it's it, right. sad that he's not coming back. But, you know, he's getting older now, and, you know, I'm sure he wants to stay close to home in, in Japan. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, for sure. That could be great. And, uh, and by the way, you you get paid better in Japan as well. <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, last quick thing about the Jacks Rangers pod, which I have linked in my show notes. Uh, so when is this so-called hiatus, as you call it, uh, when is it going to be over? And uh, and are there new plans? I think you just kind of hinted at it for, you know, new aspects of the pod, new segments. It sounds like you're doing some graphics and sort of, you know, just honing and, and narrowing things down. Uh, is there any big things that your fans can expect? I think my girlfriend is just, you know, ready to kill me because I had said that after episode 14, I think it was, that I would be taking months off of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, that's not happening <laughs> because of the offseason. I just felt like it would be a disservice to everybody to not announce these new signings and have interviews with these guys that are brand new to the team or guys that have been retained. So um, ultimately, you know, I think the last episode that we had was a Halloween special, and I wanted to put that out because I'm just a huge fan of Halloween, and also I wanted mm. to throw in some questions to the guys that I had interviewed with Halloween questions to make it keep it relevant. So um, the one before that, I had said maybe there would be another podcast in November, but I sped that one up um, with the newest one to make sure it came out before Halloween. So um, we're on episode 20 right now. So. I don't see a lot of slowing down. I think maybe we can take a couple weeks off and then gather some some interviews and then release them all at once, maybe four at a time. I think that's probably what we'll do. But in terms yeah. of uh, new content, what I would like to do, and this is like I've never, I haven't spoken about this to anyone um, through the podcast, so this is kind of an exclusive for your listeners. Hey. What I want to do, ultimately, one of the goals for the Jacks Rangers show is during season, in season, when the, the Jacks are at home, I want to set up a mobile um, – pregame at uh, Fowler's house. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of technical stuff that we have to get right with the Jack's Rangers show, but I want to be broadcasting live streaming mm. rather, um, there at uh, Fowler's house, ha- ha- excuse me, Fowler's house cafe um, with the first regiment prior to the game. I want to do like maybe a 30 minute little segment talking about breaking That's down cool. the game and, and having some people jump on with me on a second microphone and talking about it. And then after the game, I would love to do like fan reactions oh. live on Instagram. So as people were walking out of the stadium, getting their raw thoughts about what just took place on the pitch. So we'd have like a, a microphone, maybe with the Jacks Rangers logo on sure. it, like the CNN logo, you know, and, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> have somebody filming it and just I just want to get the real wall emotions of people how they feel if you know we win or if we lose God forbid um at home there so at home come on no way yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's far-fetched I know but um yeah we'll see what happens but and then also like we'd like to go on the road for at least one game I know that there's been discussions with the first regiment going to maybe New York Oh, kind of doing the same thing there is like maybe broadcasting from the away game, um, you know, prior to and talking to some fans, maybe that go with us and do some video content before we get there on the road trip down to New York. I think it'd be I awesome. mean, if, if you're going to go see Rooney, though, there's the added expense of the, the nose plugs you're going to need to, you know, be in the uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is a really cool idea for sure. And, uh, and, and so, I think I've told you before, uh, I lived in Quincy for several years. And uh, so the, there's Fowler House, you're right. It, it's so close by. You can easily, you know, stagger to the stadium from there. Yeah. But uh, there's plenty of other places, too. It's it's a, a cornucopia of cool bars. And uh, maybe we even, uh, maybe it's a mobile show. Maybe it's, uh, yeah. where's the first regiment going to be this time? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure we're, you know, there, there's there's a lot of discussions going on. I did want to pitch that uh, anybody that's Free Jacks fans that live in the New England area, make sure you come out to our, excuse me, our next um, um, event for the Jacks range, or excuse me, the First Regiment. Right. Uh, that is going to be, I want to say the 7th of November at noon. It's a Sunday. Yes, that's it. So that's going to be at the Fowler's House Cafe, which is right down the road from Fort Quincy. Yep. Um, we want to admit as many people out and, you know, voicing their opinions about how we should do this whole First Regiment thing with the fan-led um, of unofficial um, supporters group. Yeah. So I love it. That sounds awesome. The, <laughs> it's funny. Every time I talk with you, I realize how excited I am for the next season. It's like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be this, but better. It was already so good. And yeah. Well, it sounds like we're doing our job ultimately because that's what we're trying to get people just jazzed up for for next season uh, with the Jacks Rangers. So yeah, maybe we can make a combination scrum of the earth and Jacks Rangers like pom pom set. Love that idea. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the listeners out there, as we've been hinting, you know, it is almost Halloween. It's always a pretty big deal here in New England. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sort of imagery associated with Halloween it, it reflects that old fashioned New England style. Uh, the region is booming with ghost stories. Phil, I, I already get the feeling you're, you're a good, uh, big Halloween guy. What are your plans for Halloween this year? Are you gonna? You're actually gonna be in Florida, is that right? Yeah, I, I'm not a big Florida guy, but I'm the place that I'm going is in Florida, so I have to go. Um, I'm going to Universal <laughs> Studios for Halloween, so it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, I've got some costumes uh, that I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm actually wearing one right now for, uh, for the folks that are listening. Um, I've got my Ted Lasso slash Ryan Martin get up. Uh, it, it's so good. My listeners, I'm so sorry that you can't see it. It's I've amazing. i got a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend and I are going to Universal Studios. I haven't been since I was a kid, and she's a big Harry Potter gal, so it's going to be a blast. Oh, that's going to be so cool. Yeah. Plus, it'll be warm, unlike here right now. Yeah, um, I, would, I prefer the cold anyway, but so I think it's going to be like mid-70s, which is perfect, you know? Oh, that's, that's sweet. Yeah. That's Norm- the sweet spot. Normally, in my hometown of North Carolina, what I do is I dress up um, as um, Michael Myers every single year. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to be missing me down there this year. So what do we do? It's like a, <laughs> um, a subdivision, so there's a bunch of cul-de-sacs. 
And what we do is um, I'll dress up as Michael Myers and, you know, there, there's all of these, these cars and all these kids that, you know, trick or treat in the neighborhood. So I would just walk around and my Michael Myers, and I'm a tall guy. I, I, you've seen me in person. So yeah. I, I fit the bill as Michael Myers for sure. So I just <laughs> walk around and I don't talk to anybody. I, I stay in character, you know, yeah. so there's, there's like people from 20. I did this every single year when I was growing up. So there's people from like 20 years ago that still ask my mom at my house, like, where's Michael Myers, you know? So <laughs> so uh, I fit the quote, I fit the bill from Michael Myers, unquote. That, that's got to be the first line in your resume, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but, by the way, where you are right now, um, la or last year, did you get trick-or-treaters? Is that a thing in your neighborhood? I, I haven't any idea like what kind of neighborhood you're in. Uh, we, no, I, I live, I live in, in a neighborhood that should get trick-or-treaters, and we had zero last year. Yeah. I live in an apartment, so if there's any knocks on my door, I never answer them. <laughs> <laughs> trick or treat go away yeah go away <laughs> yeah somehow they got through the first door that was locked so i'm not answering <laughs> oh, this kid hit all the buzzers until somebody buzzed him in right right <laughs> uh we have no well we have some plans so you know i've got my little boy so he's incredibly excited he's been counting down the days till halloween and uh my wife really went the extra mile. She found a way to sort of print this design so you can basically use this printed design to cut out cardboard and she made him Optimus Prime. And oh, it's an nice. actual, like, he can stand up and be Optimus standing up and then he can go oh, turn into a truck on the ground. Oh, he's flipping out. Of course, it's probably gonna rain and it's probably gonna be ruined within five minutes, but we'll see. Interesting That's fact about Optimus Prime. I have an Optimus ah. Prime tattoo because in, uh, at Carolina, uh, University of South Carolina, where I went, um, I was the president of my fraternity. So like, I was just, I guess everybody thought of me as a leader. So I got the nickname of Optimus Prime. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, right? <laughs> yes, a fraternity nickname. Yeah, you 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 hit the, the jackpot there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the free jackpot, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I I don't want to. Halloween's coming. I don't want I don't want to scare you too much right off the bat. Halloween's only three days away, mm -hmm. but I did go hunting for some rugby-related ghost stories. So, okay. you know, are are you a ghost guy? Do you believe in ghosts? And any personal encounters at all? You know, about let's see here. I would say about 15 years ago, I was really into all the paranormal uh, TV shows that come on. Um, mm -hmm. I really I want. So this is what I'll say. I want to believe. Okay. I don't necessarily believe, but I want to believe. Right? Uh, I think I'm in a similar place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my perspective on it. Nobody's ever going to catch me saying, no, they don't. Yeah. But I'm also not going to, you know, wear a sign saying definitely do. Yeah. I've got that poster <laughs> of the alien, the flying saucer, and it says, I won't. Yeah. 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 So, yeah the, the, agent, the agent Mulder poster, I was going to ask. <laughs> I want to believe. That's my oh. perspective on everything paranormal. I, I don't necessarily buy it all the time but i want to buy it you know what i mean sure yeah yeah, yeah. any uh personal experiences that made you think okay maybe this was that or you know i yes i've had a really i've got a really really good one uh, do i want to give it away on this podcast because i did tease it on mine oh my oh. um okay I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of it all right so this yeah is yeah happens, all right so i'm at i'm at my apartment this is not the current one that i'm in but the old one that I was at in downtown Manchester. Okay. Okay. So um, 
late at night, I, I just happened to wake up. So my apartment, um, if you look out one window, you can actually see the city and like there's nothing below there. Um, but if you go into the kitchen area, there's a window where there's actually a porch that everybody can access on that floor. Okay. Okay. Yep. So I, I wake up in the middle of the night and at the witching hour, by the way. Okay. So that's a little strange. I, I never really do that. I never wake up in the middle of the night, but I hear something out on the porch from that window. I'm like, what is going on out here? There's nobody out there ever this late at night, right? Um, so this this person is frantic, talking. And I finally realized they're not talking to anybody else out there. They're out there by themselves on the porch, talking very frantically, very frightened-ish. Ooh. So I was like, what is going on here? Just got a little chill. Yeah. So th- this guy is, um, I, I, I get up a little bit, so I'm not trying to like, because this person probably could hear me getting up. That's how thin the walls were. Um, so I'm just kind of like hunkered down, like I'm, I'm sitting up from my futon bed. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and I'm listening to what's happening. <laughs> and uh, this person, I realized not only are, are they talking to themselves, they're actually praying. And I'm Ooh. like, this is weird. This never happens. So I'm like, what is going on? So this guy's just frantically like, hail Mary, hail, you know, like in the in this most scared voice that you'll ever hear in your life. Wow. What is happening here? So finally it stops. And I'm like, this must be the, the new guy that lives across the way from me in within my same floor here. And um, comes to come to find out this guy um, had had some sort of episode, but um, okay, I'll, I'll give it away. So um, a couple of days later, I'm hearing this like screeching, like haunted type of noise coming from this ah, apartment. And, and it's like, it, think of any type of like horror soundtrack. And that's probably what the, the voice was. It was just very haunting. And I'm like, what is happening? And then there's this like rhythmic thump, like just happening up against this guy's door. So his door's closed. I'm like, what is going on? So I had woken up that morning and I'd started to hear it. And, um, I'm like, oh, that's strange. So I leave for the day uh, to go to work and it's still happening. The exact same rhythmic. Every five seconds, there's this loud thud. And then, you know, after that, there's this like, <laughs> that type of thing. Wow. I'm like, what is going on here? So are, I are, you, are you the only one being awoken by this? Yes. I, I don't think anybody else had heard it or if they wow. did, they didn't say anything to me about it. So there was, there's four apartments on that, that floor. I was one of them. He was one of the other, other ones. So um, I went to work, came back, you know, eight and a half hours later, exact same five seconds thud in these sounds. I'm like, what is happening here? Oh, my gosh. So long story short, you know, I'm, I'm back in my apartment, but it, it's not stopping. So eventually um, the cops get called and, this, and the cops show up. The problem is I don't have one of those, um, the, the, the things you see through the door there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't see what's happening. Yeah, but I, I can hear what's happening. So the police show up. They get spooked by what they see in this apartment. So they're like calling down for what, um, the mental health, like first responders instead of police or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Up. So I guess they had called this kid's dad to show up, too. And I can I can hear what's going on, but I can't see because I'm behind my door. And I'm not going to open it up and see what's going on. I, I, you know, <laughs> hey, you guys. I'm not, I'm not a priest. You know, I don't have any qualifications <laughs> to be around this situation. You so, kick down their door with a yeah. vial of holy water. <laughs> I need a young priest and an old priest. No, um, so 
<laughs> so they're talking to the dad like right outside of my door. Okay. And they don't know that I'm, I'm listening in. So they're like, so this is what we have to do. You know, this is the scenario. But the dad is like, we need a priest. We need, this is something religious going on. And, and they're like, you know, they're, they're people of science, right? These, these mental health folks are like, eh, well, you know, we don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> we can't really help you with that. So, uh, <laughs> so the dad is like, we haven't performed an exorcism in Manchester in about 120 years. Right, right. So the dad's like, we're not religious people, but we clearly need a priest. So I never saw what this guy looked like, but the, the dad was convinced as somebody that was not wow. religious, that, that something was going on that was demonic. Wow. So I could hear them like the cops eventually shuffle this guy out of there. Um, I wish I had saw what he looked like, but I don't think I really wow. know because it probably would have haunted my dreams for years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you might want to count yourself lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, you know, people quickly disparage the Catholics all the time, but like, oh, if you think there's a demonic possession, get me a priest. Right. I don't care. I don't care what I've been doing my whole life. I need a Catholic to in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was very strange. I tell that story to people and they're like, that, really? Yeah, I'm like, that, all of that is absolutely 100% true. I, you know, you can't make this stuff up. So I went sort of searching for stories kind of like this. And uh, I got to say, it was uh, it was disappointing. It was much, you, you'd think for a sport as old as rugby, there would be just countless ghost stories and stuff. No, if, if they exist, uh, they are unknown to me. So I found three things. Uh, and then I found another thing that I basically included just because, just for you, basically. So, okay. and this one, it, it, it's not rugby at all, but I just thought you might get a kick out of it. And in fact, you might already know about it because I think you follow college football at least more than I do, which is, which would be easy to do. Yes. And the, the thing I found talks about, so on Saturdays, every fall, Camp Randall Stadium erupts with cheers from the Wisconsin Badger fans. They're rooting for their, their home football team. Mm -hmm. However, long before the stadium was built, this land was a training ground for the Union soldiers during the Civil War. And they actually erected a prison for Confederate soldiers right nearby, right nearby that location. So Badger fans who tailgate near that stadium say they've seen the ghosts of Confederate soldiers just wandering inside the stadium, especially on the colder it is, the more chilly the game day morning is, the more likely you are to see them. The soldiers often appear sort of dressed in Civil War era uniforms, and they're often wearing slings and bandages and have sort of obvious injuries. And this gets reported a lot. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm not just going to let this pass. I, I, I was like, wait a minute. And I looked it up. W were there any battles in the Civil War fought in Wisconsin? The answer is no, but the answer is yes, they absolutely built a prison for Confederate soldiers and put it right near there. Is that something you'd come across before? Um, I've heard certain stories like that. Where I come from, we it's a very historical area for uh, the Civil War, but also mainly um, the American Revolution. So mm. we always had our own stories about the headless horseman type of thing. Ah, nice. Uh, Ichabod. Yeah, 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 exactly. But the Southern, uh, th Southern version, so it was like right. Billy Bob. <laughs> 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 Billy, Bob, Billy Bob Crane. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a great adaptation. Yeah, I, it's interesting. Like, what are ghosts, right? What are people seeing? And some people believe that it's it's like everybody has this energy, right? 
and that you know when you pass on that energy doesn't go away and it's like it just kind of reverbs throughout the sure. space and time so sometimes you'll see these apparitions and stuff like that it's actually people it's just it's not people or it's not ghosts per se but it's just their energy that has been left uh, sure and, and scientists uh, every now and then weigh in and corroborate this where they're like well energy can't be created or destroyed so if you've got it it's it's got to be somewhere yeah yeah for sure So the the first one I've got that's rugby related. So, it, so in Wales, there's an old Tudor mansion house, okay. the name of which, <laughs> the name of which, I am not even going to try to pronounce. It's one of those Welsh words where there's like four L's and six Y's. Yeah. Uh, I literally even you know how you can look up stuff and say how do I pronounce this? Yeah. I listened to the pronunciation eight times and I was like, nope, nope. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> if I have any Welsh listeners out there, they'll instantly know what I'm talking about, though. So um, it is now best known as the home of Colonel Edward Pritchard, who died in 1655. And uh, he was lucky enough to host a visit by King Charles I in, of England in 1645. But nowadays, this house claims to be one of the most haunted houses in the entire United Kingdom. So dating back to about 1550, the house in Nelson, which is a small area in Wales, um, that's when they built it and by the mid 1600s it had become a, a tenanted farmhouse and it stayed that way until it was bought in 1979 actually by the then I don't know if it's Rimini or Rimini Valley District Council and they just turned it into a museum but you know over those 450 years with no doubt many deaths within its four walls yeah. the, the question is you know what is it like to work in a, a one of the UK's most haunted houses so Historical interpreter Lee Jessup, who leads ghost tours in the manor, he said that the home's most infamous previous resident was Maddie, a housekeeper who lived there in the early 18th and uh, the late 18th and early 19th century. She's thought to have died after being burned in an accident, and it is her bedroom that brings out really strange reactions to visitors. Like we just we're talking about this, you're just in a place, and there's a feeling you get, and you can't describe it. Yeah. His quote is, "Many years ago." We were visited by the South Africa under-21 rugby squad. They came to Wales to play friendly matches and exhibition matches. So we took them on a tour, and as they went into Maddie's room, the captain of the South African team, who must, he says, who must have been six foot eight, he was an enormous fella, he just broke down. As soon as he walked in the room, just broke down in floods of tears. No explanation. Wow. As soon as they left the room again, he was fine. And he was just completely embarrassed because he was kind of vaguely aware that this had just happened, but he had no explanation for it. Yeah. That's good stuff, eh? It is good stuff. And it reminds me of a situation that I had um, when I was, I want to say I was in high school. And one of my best friends, um, he lived in the town directly below my hometown, a very small town, even smaller than my hometown, called Grover, North Carolina. It was named after President uh, Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Well, Ohio had already taken the other part, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, we, we're, I guess, around his house and like, I don't know what the hell we're doing, just kind of loitering, I guess. And there was like a house a little bit further down. And for some reason, like we were walking over there. I don't know what the hell we were doing. We were just kind of wandering around as kids, right? Um, and 
I think the apartment was like vacant perhaps or something like that. Or like he had told me that it was going to be rented out or something like that. So we just decided to go in there. You know, I don't know what the statute of limitations are at this point with the, <laughs> so we'll just say we were invited, but you know, wink, wink. All right. Uh, so <laughs> we find our way into this, uh, this, this house, it's an apartment. Um, and immediately we get bad vibes. There's mm. some, like the, the barometer, like if it, if it's, it's about to rain, you get that feeling. In yeah. Your- yeah. When people's knees hurt, oh, it's going to rain. So we walk in and we've got immediately it just the air is different in, inside mm. this apartment. And we kind of look around and it doesn't look it, it's very creepy in there for sure. There's like old toys strung about all over the place and just oh, you can instant both, creepy. Yeah. You it's almost like some bad stuff went down at this apartment. So we immediately like within like a couple of minutes are just kind of going from room to room. We're like, we gotta get out of here. Because like we both had felt like there, there's bad vibes here. So we we tucked tail and run out of there. You know, it's not in my little script here, but it was a very... So you live in New Hampshire. Have you come across the Appalachian Mountain Club at all, the, the AMC? I've, they been, run a I've been through one of their their um, outposts or whatever you want to call it, yeah. Oh, nice. Did you start at Pinkham Notch there? Like in the, the main base campus in North Conway, Pinkham. But then all throughout the presidential mountains, they have these yes. huts, and it, it's great. Yeah. So a friend of mine worked there and um he convinced me to come he was like oh it'll be easy i'll just come hike these mountains having never hiked uh he was just messing with me <laughs> he knew how damn hard it was going to be yes. and when you when you go up tuckerman's ravine for instance i literally got sunburned on the back side of my body like the, the back half of my legs the back side of my arms the back of my neck were sunburned and the rest of me wasn't because it was so steep yeah uh, but so we got to the my favorite hut in the chain which is called lakes in the clouds which is aptly named it's just this sort of plateau and this beautiful crest of the presidential mountains and uh i had the worst sleep of my entire life just every five minutes you wake up you're boiling you're freezing you're boiling you're freezing and every single time i woke up it felt like somebody was shouting in my head and just like saying weird things and the next morning my friend was like hey how'd you sleep and i was like (laughs) terrible man terrible and he was like yeah this place is totally haunted and i was like you didn't you didn't tell me this place and he was like no because i know it's so haunted that if i told you you'd be like well you just put it in my head so i wanted to see if it actually affected you yeah yeah sure enough it was a thing i'm a big mountain guy i mean i consider myself an appalachian american so it's Ah. it's just natural for me to love the mountains that's where i grew up in north carolina on the western part of north carolina there but yeah um that same friend of mine, he he did the AT. He, he walked the Appalachian Trail. Incredible. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, this girl I went to high school with has done it, I think, twice. Like, mm. one down and then one up. So, yeah, it's incredible. I almost died on, um, what is that mountain in Keene that everybody hikes up uh, up and down? You know? Oh, uh, uh. It starts with an M, doesn't it? Uh, Manadnock? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, look at me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Uh, me and two buddies of mine, because uh, I, I enjoy a bit of hiking, right? So we, we decided to go um, one day, and we're like, oh, it's supposed to rain. Nah, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll just get up there. It don't matter. <laughs> Ain't no big deal. You know. Range, man. Yeah, man. Who cares? <laughs> so uh, we start. I didn't realize how rocky it gets. Mm. And I was like, oh, boy. So it starts to pour, like, pour down rain. I'm like, oh, this is getting a little sketchy because it, it's rocky all the way all the way up to, at a certain point. So we get about, uh, I want to say, three-fourths of the way up. We're almost 
where we need to be, right? So um, there's this huge lightning strike, maybe 50 feet from us. We're like, okay, wow. it's time to go. <laughs> That's a sign that it's time for us to leave. It's time for us all to be a lot shorter. Yeah. Um, and it's just pouring. It's pissing down right, Dave. So we're trying to get down this mountain, this rocky mountain, and it's just flooding rain all over the, the wet rocks as we're trying to get down. I fell like three times. So Phil, yes. did you know that there's a place in Tennessee called rugby? I did not know that. And that's the neighboring state of North Carolina. I'm, I'm ashamed right now. Well, uh, from my you know limited half-assed research, uh, it seems like most people in Tennessee do not know that there's a rugby Tennessee. Huh. So I don't know if you've... Uh, you have no reason to have listened to my like history pods or any of the Tony Collins stuff, but um, Tony Collins, the historian, he's always talking about how the basis for rugby and sort of the way it spread was through this book, the, the Tom Brown's School Days, this sort of text about what it's like to be a schoolboy, why the importance of phys physical education is, of course, in his mind, equal to you know your ethical and intellectual education it was this concept of what it, what they called muscular christianity where it's like well yeah you want to be you want to be a good moral christian but you also want to be the best physical person you can be so that you can represent these values sort of on a larger scale and yeah tom brown school days was this book that was you know tony collins always calls it the, the harry potter of its day which everyone loves to call any popular book the harry potter of its day right. uh, i don't think anyone was, was excited by it the way they were about harry potter but incredibly influential book so the guy who wrote it thomas hughes pretty rich guy uh he graduated from oxford but after he graduated he became sort of a, a socialist he became a social reformer he became involved with something called the christian socialism movement and he joined that movement in 1848 so as a side project, he decided, you know, there was this idea of these model villages. Like if you're a, a, a Christian uh, as part of this group, you know, maybe you can create a village that shows everyone exactly how good things can be in your, your view, your model. So in 1880, strangely, he acquired the, <laughs> by the way, the text says he acquired the ownership. I'm like, yeah, that's a really long-winded way of saying bought. Bought it, yeah. <laughs> uh, he bought Franklin W. Smith's Plateau City, and he founded a settlement in America, Rugby, Tennessee, obviously named after the school he attended. And his idea was to make it an experiment in utopian living for the younger sons of the English gentry, the, those poor English sons uh, of the gentry. You know, it's, it's always so tough for them. Huh. Now, so, if, yeah, go ahead. If this was Eastern Tennessee, I can see a lot of hillbillies that might have been uh, <laughs> be like, "What is happening here?" You know, like, <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I have a feeling he specifically kept the hillbillies out. I think he was yeah. like, "Watch how much land I can buy, and none of y'all are coming anywhere near this because I'm bringing a bunch of younger sons of really, really rich people." Yeah, if these hillbillies thought carpetbaggers were bad, you know, get away from these guys. <laughs> I know. What, what is the English gentry equivalent of a carpetbagger? Uh, like a, a caviar bagger? I don't know. A tea bagger. <laughs> a tea bagger. Oh wait, that 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 that's already a thing. Oh darn. That's something else. <laughs> so so by 1884, Rugby, Tennessee, seemed to be coming, uh, you know, a model utopian village. It was going well. 
There was over 300 residents, 60 or 70 Victorian style homes, two trains a day to Cincinnati. Uh, visitors came to enjoy some rugby. They would come to see croquet matches or just swim and refresh themselves in the clear rivers of what was then called New Jerusalem. Hmm. But then, but then, boom, typhoid. Ooh. Good old typhoid shows up. And then a series of rough winters, land issue problems, which I guess amounted to people arguing over who owned what. And uh, sure enough, people left and left and left. And eventually it became almost nothing. That They were left with about 30 people. But then they've sort of done some rebuilding. They've realized the historic significance. So they've tried to rebuild it. And now it's, it is a little town and they have a tourist industry. And it is allegedly one of the most haunted places in the entire United States. Wow. They offer spooky ghost tours. There's a creepy haunted hotel where you can stay. I guess what I'm asking is, is that where we're going? Road trip. Let's go. And by the way, those 30 people were left, talked like me, and looked like me. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Except they were like, okay, how do we make tourism money out of this? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, so the, the side question is, would you do that? I, I'm not actually saying you and I should go to this place, but would oh. you go to a hotel that you honestly thought was haunted? There's one right down the road uh, here. It's the Ash Street Inn in Manchester. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would love to go for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't oh, it's not just. It's not just that you would go. You want to go. Yes. I, I mean, I don't oh. seek that stuff out per se. But like, if somebody says, "Hey, by the way, this place is haunted," like, I'm okay. Let's do it. I ain't scared. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> somebody should make that into a. Su- oh, oh right, yes. right. Okay. Is this the last one I've got? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, so speaking of haunted hotels, mm-hmm. so there's a place called Brownsover Hall. I could be mispronouncing it. It's spelled Browns over, all you know, all one word. So, it, it, but it's English, so it might be Brownsover, or it might be Brownsover, or, or something. But it's a 19th century mansion house. Okay. It's in the old village of Brownsover Rugby. It's, so it's, I looked it up. <laughs> it's. I guess I'm a dark. It's an eight-minute drive from rugby school. It's it's part of greater rugby, so to speak. So according to what I found, it says many rugby people, people will be aware of the Brownsover Hall ghost, said to be the spirit of, quote, one-armed Bowton, unquote. So this is a story of the paranormal that has endured for more than 200 years. And the, the manor of Brownsover was constructed in 1471 by the Bowton family, later known as the Bowton Baronets. But, oh, I love it when the dark stuff comes along. In the 18th century, Sir Theodosius Bowton was murdered by his brother-in-law, wow. a Captain Donellan, supposedly over a future inheritance. And by the way, the murder itself, the victim was slowly poisoned by drinking laurel water, uh, which I didn't even know was a thing. So apparently, if you take leaves from a cherry laurel and soak it in water it produces something called hydrocyanic acid which is a poison which is called when it's not in water cyanide oh yes 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 okay 
And so it's believed that this murder led to the haunting of Brownsover Hall and the bizarre circumstances surrounding it. So not long after the murder, what was believed to be his spirit began to cause quite the disturbance. Staff there reported hearing the unmistakable sounds of an anguished moaning throughout the house. This sounds like something you've experienced. Yeah. However, it was the appearance of a one-handed apparition believed to be Sir Theodosius back from the grave to wreak vengeance, which prompted the family to take an extra course in order to rid themselves of the troublesome ghost. So, <laughs> it's funny, this also ties back to what we were talking to. So they got 12 clergymen they got six six Catholics and six Protestants. Uh, they had they hedged their bets. They hedged their yeah, bets. they're like, well, God, look, we, we got the bases covered, right? Yeah. They got all these twelve people together to rid their house of this spirit. The, the clergyman claimed they were able to persuade the ghost to enter into a special little bottle that they had with them that had been blessed by a bishop. Hmm. So believing that they were successfully, you know out of this and the, the clergy took this bottle and they just kind of threw it in the nearby river and the family's like oh great no problem or so they thought so according to legend some fishermen discovered this bottle they found this little thing and they thought oh what's this so of course they opened it how could they not and they unwittingly unleashed the spirit of one handed boaten back into Wait a minute, the realm. If he's in a bottle and he comes out, doesn't you get? Don't you get three wishes? It, it, <laughs> it would only seem fair. Well, but it's it's England, so there's a metric conversion. I think it's like uh, one point four two wishes. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so of course, ever since that fateful day, you know, Brownsover Hall Hotel now has been haunted by his sinister presence. Tradition has it that down the years, both staff and guests of this gothic hotel have testified that the spirit of one-handed Bowton is very much real. What do you think? Uh, I, I feel like if there's going to be ghosts, they're going to be in rugby, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm surprised there's no, like, headless rugby player on the pitch type of uh, ghost story out of rugby. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of guys whose necks are getting so big their head has almost disappeared <laughs> into it. Right. <laughs> a modern game, right? Well, okay, that does it for this bonus episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming along. Uh, Phil and I ended up talking a lot longer after that. A lot of this pod ended up sort of on the, the cutting room floor, as they say. Uh, we ended up talking the demolition in D.C. of the Eagles, and then uh, it kind of went on and on. And by the time the Kennedys came up, I knew that this was not <laughs> that this was too much podcast for one bonus. <laughs> um, but who knows? There's now we have some cool stuff in the vault. Maybe we'll sift through it and uh, find something else to use it for later. So if you like what you're hearing, feel free to support my podcast. There's a couple of ways in the show notes. And if you haven't looked them up yet, definitely check out Jack's Rangers. You will not be disappointed. So thank you all so much for listening all over the world. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And of course, be well.